I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom to my own song Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning? Or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. All I gotta do is count one, two, three. To my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me. Cause I'm doing my thing and I hold the key to all my wants. I am pretty excited about today's guest. I met her several years ago uh, when Tori was up in Alaska. So I want to really dive in, find out about what she's been up to and what life brings. But welcome to the show, Katie McGinnis. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am really excited because to me, you are out there living a life that is just not something that everybody um, thinks of and and knows as a career. But let's start out by talking about if people were to, to say who Katie is professionally or personally, what would they say? How would they describe you? Um, I think they would describe me as an exciting fish lover. Um. I love fishing. I do it for kind of my job and I do it for my hobby. So um, I like traveling around. I know when we met, we were in Alaska when I was doing my job up there. Uh, before I was in Alaska, I was in Key Largo, um, again, doing some fish stuff. So fish stuff, what does that mean? Um, so for my current job, we do bottom trawl research with fish. So put a net down. It's much smaller than any fisherman's. We do it for 20 minutes at random locations. We pull it up and we basically see like abundancy and diversity. So what's in it and how much, um, and we bring scientists out and they do a lot of the research of it. So you can like cut up their stomach, see what they're eating. They have things in their ear called ear bones and they're odalis. So you can age the phone by, uh, age the fish by that. And then you can like measure and weigh um, so you're getting all this research for all these different species of fish and they get over like 180 uh, fish species. Wow. So what's the purpose though? What, what kind of, why would I as a consumer or just an average person really care? Um, over 70% of the world uses fish as their main protein. So it's really important that we have sustainable fisheries. So for te- today and for tomorrow, Um, So a lot of the research we do goes back to the scientists. They do all the studies and then they put out quotas for fishermen in basically all of New England. Um, And it's really important because without those, you know, overpopulation or sorry, overfishing would happen and there'd be such small populations that they wouldn't be able to sustain us for a food resource. So it's important that we're able to have that food, have the right amount, make sure that there's enough for us in the future. Are you doing what you thought you'd be doing career-wise? I would say yes. Um, I mean, I was a little kid thinking I want to do marine biology. And um, I, I basically am. I mean, it's more fisheries biology, but I dive. I'm on the dive team for my ship. So um, I'm on a NOAA research vessel called the Henry Bigelow in Newport, Rhode Island. Before that, I was on the Dyson in Alaska. Um and it's really fun because like I'm MPIC. So it's a medical personnel in charge. So I do a lot of medical stuff, um, especially with COVID. We've been doing COVID tests and all sorts of um, more like more medical related things. And so my job's kind of all over the place because one day I could be doing flu shots. And then the next day I'm diving in the ocean underneath the ship, cleaning the transducers that are like how we get our bottom tracking. So I, I love I love it. And I think this is what I've always wanted to do. 
That's pretty awesome. Um, but it is also kind of a hard life. I mean, you're on a boat for a lot of your time. And so how, how does that impact you as a um, young lady? Yeah, on the Dyson, it was really hard because you're in Alaska, um, not great Wi-Fi or internet or cell service. I remember we were in Dutch Harbor on the Aleutian chains and I wanted to call my mom and I had to drive around for like 30 minutes looking for cell service. Um, I only did that for two years and I actually only came home like one time. And the other time I had to, I went and looked online for tickets and found a ticket to Belize that was cheaper to than Boston. So I went to Belize instead of going home and, um, you're out to see a lot. Like you can be out to see for 180 days. Um, luckily from that, I switched to this job in Newport, Rhode Island, and we only go in and out of Newport. So on the Dyson, we'd be in Alaska or we'd be in Washington or we'd be in Oregon. Um, but here I only go in and out of the ports and, um, I have a boyfriend here with two dogs. My parents live 10 minutes away. Like I own a house here. So transferring it to this job has been a lot easier. Now with COVID, we've had to go out to see more and for longer at a time um, so that we stayed in our like safe COVID-free bubble. And that's been really hard because then you don't get to see your loved ones. Like I go walk with my parents every time, every few weeks. So you're out to see for a month or so um, you can't really see your family or friends. I mean, in Rhode Island, we're lucky. We have really good Wi-Fi, so you can text pretty much the whole time or email um, and I've been more at home. Um, my ship just actually came in today and I'm at home doing a three week training. So I've been getting more opportunities to do things to stay around, which is really nice. But, um, yeah, it's hard being gone 180 days, but luckily I have a partner. Yes, who's I can imagine. Yeah. And he was in the military, so he got deployed. So we did a deployment where he was gone for six months, um, cause of COVID and everything. So we're, we're used to it. We trust each other. We get to talk. He sends me pictures of the dogs. Um, and I really do love my job. So makes yeah. it easier. Yeah. You'd have to, I don't know how you could do it if you, if you didn't. Um, but, it, but it's almost a, it's almost a calling because you you're dealing with people, fish. I mean, you're kind of, you have multiple roles um, and you really have to be committed to it. So I love it. We usually get the same amount of same scientists or there's a lot of, of the same scientists that come out. So they really become your close friends. And then your coworkers aren't just your coworkers because you don't go home at night. You work with them. Then you're stuck on the ship with them. And when we go out to sea, it might be 28 days, 12 hours a day. So you're, you can't really leave anyone, but it's kind of nice because then you get to be really close with everyone. So it's like a second family. Yeah. yeah. What's the most fun adventure you've had um, at sea? Um, that's a good question. I'd say I have a few, but my top two, we'll say one in Alaska on my birthday, we did a fish call. Um, which is July 1st. So there's like a few species of fish you can catch then. So we were catching a bunch of massive link cod and halibut. We caught some salmon. Um, and it was just such a fun day because our ship was just like, all right, we have enough time. We're going to let everyone fish. So we stopped somewhere that we knew was good fishing and we all got to fish off the back deck together. And it was so great for morale at that time. Um, and I had so much fun because I caught my biggest halibut, my biggest link codfish. So I'll never catch those fish species again, and especially in that size. Um, and then on the big level, yeah. When you talk about size, I mean, give me a, a size. I mean, like it's not a little like a, twelve inch. Yeah, a halibut could be like eighty pounds. Like getting that thing up, eighty big. I don't know how almost the same height as me. So it's like four or five feet, like hundred pounds at least. So. Some really uh, link cod. I don't even know. Yeah, I would say like three or four feet. Wow, that would be memorable. Okay, yeah, and, and then the other one, um, the Bigelow. We were doing ROV work for deep sea, so they're looking for deep corals, um, so they can make sanctuaries for them. So we were just in place, 
we're looking for stuff. Um, and then these like 30 pilot whales, um, just hung out with us for like two hours and pilot whales are kind of like big dolphins. And they do this little adorable thing where they come up straight up, they look, and then they go straight back down. For some reason, it always reminds me of like the whack-a-mole or something. They come right out. They like look around (laughs) curiously and then go back in. So I have so many videos of them so close, just like going up and down. And we just watched them for like an hour or two. And it was so fun. Oh, wow. That does sound like it. Um, So when you're out there and, and I mean, crises happen, things happen and you can't get back. How do you, how do you cope with, you've got to stay committed to where you are and what you're doing and life happens in other places. Yeah. Um, that's hard. When I was in Alaska, my grandfather passed away and we were so far out in the Bering Sea near Russia that to get me to land, it would take three and a half days. Then to fly me to Philadelphia, I, it would have taken almost five to seven days to get home. And the funeral was in two days. Um, so I missed it. And my entire family was there and it was obviously super sad, but everyone came together. So I miss seeing and supporting my whole family and, and like having closure. And it was really hard. I was lucky. I had some really good friends on the boat with me that were able to like, you know, support me mentally. And I was able to call, they have, we have like a phone on the ship that is like, you can use, um, like a satellite phone. So I was able to at least call and talk to my family members. And then, you know, that is hard though. That's, and I feel like I miss a lot of things because I sail so much. So I have to decide what's important. So like last year I had three or four weddings and I didn't, I only went to one, um, this year I have like a few events and I have to pick my favorites, which my brother's weddings this year. So that's my one event that I'm going to do. And I have to kind of say no to everything else. Or, um, like I have to miss the bachelor party for it. I have to miss, um, the shower, like everything involving it. Cause I can't take that much time off. Cause for one weekend, it could be in the middle of a 30 day cruise and oh, wow. 30 days off for one weekend. And if you do, then you can't take any more time off. Oh, that's substantial. Yeah. Luckily though, we have the winter. So we're usually in from um, November. So we're always home like November 20th around we're home. So we do get Thanksgiving and Christmas and new year's off. And then we sail January 25th. So we, we do like, sometimes I'll take that whole time off. Um, this year I get to do a lot of trainings like refreshers and stuff. Cause I've been there for more than five years and I have all these classes, but usually I'll take like all of December off and half of November, or I'll take, you know, like all of January and December and half of November off. So it's like, it's give and take. So, but then I'm allowed to take a month off at a time. So if I need to do anything or I want to do anything, um, yeah. so- Right now with this job, I make sure Thanksgiving and Christmas are really, I've got some good solid plans to see my family during those times. Yeah. So you tell anybody, hey, if you intend to plan anything, how about these times? So, well, that that means you must be very organized and looking kind of at your whole life as you go by. You, you can't, you know, a lot of people live day to day and then a lot of people live week to week. You can't do that. So have you always kind of looked long-term? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big planner. I'm one of those people who I said, I do the vacation. I've got the by hour, by hour, what we can do options. And um, with <laughs> this job, we get the calendar. I already know all my dates I'm going to be out to see this year. I know how long the cruises are. Um, and so I'm able to plan between them or take a day off like three months from now. So I have a long weekend. Um, I've kind of always been a big planner. I, I, mean, I like doing that. I like making sure I have a plan in action and being able to follow it. Um, checklists are like my best friends. I always <laughs> have a few going. Well, you'd have to if you forget it and it's on land or if you leave it on ship without a checklist, you could you could really hurt yourself. Yeah, it's funny because it's like I'm lucky where I have my parents here and my boyfriend 
because sometimes I'm like, oh, I need an oil change. Oh, well, I can't do it. I'm like, dad, can you, or Travis, can you, or it's like, oh no, I have to take that day off because I have to go to the dentist. It's my only time. And in the next three months that works out with my, you know, like with going out to see and stuff. And so it's like funny that you have to really think about these things or like some yeah. people lucky that I'm not on any meds, but they have to plan so far in advance. You're like, okay, I need six months. I'll be gone six months. Cause some people don't live around here. Like a few of our staff live in Norfolk or Maine or wherever. So they they're traveling six hours. Anytime they're here. I'm lucky. I travel 20 minutes. Oh, wow. That, that is kind of different. And then coming into Alaska, you know, you still, you weren't from there. So it, um, and not many people were, so you kind of had to build your community. Yeah. What's great about Alaska though, I feel like there is this group of people who are like observers or working for the town or working for the environmental officers or, you know, whatever Tori was doing too. And like, I kind of meshed with them right away. Like, I don't know how I became friends with them, but every time I was in land, I was texting them to hang out. And like, I remember there's a few who had like work vehicles and I don't have a vehicle. So I'd be like, all right, pick me up. Let's go out. What are we doing? Or like, yeah. Or they're like, well, I have to work. I'm like, okay, can I come with like, you guys are doing cool stuff. Like, so (laughs) it's always kind of, you get fast friends, especially up there. Anyone like relatively your eight, your age and, um, and has the same interests, which I feel like it's hit or miss but I was lucky that I found a bunch of people that, like I said, like, I don't, I don't need to talk to them all the time, but say if we were in the same town, I would just call them up and be like, all right, let's hang out again. <laughs> like, you know, it's been, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we hit it off. We became quick friends. You kind of need to do that when you're traveling or somewhere that's pretty remote. Yeah. Well, plus your job is a little bit like, like you're still in school in a way. I mean, you're, you're, you're working on these projects, you're, you're having a teamwork and then you are able to connect to those other people that are doing similar team type projects. So, um, was it a tough, did you start in this career straight out of school? Not really, actually. So, um, I went to high school here and I went to Acadia university in Canada for environmental science, thinking I do more like consulting, um, or like land-based stuff. Um, and then one summer I did get to go out on a, a NOAA research festival, the Delaware two, it's now decommissioned, but I went on a plankton cruise and loved it. Um, and I was still, you know, going to college. And then I ended up doing a year abroad in England at Plymouth university for environmental science. Um, and I loved it so much over there. I transferred. Um, and so, okay, maybe I'll stay in the UK, but then I'm like, I need to, you know, I need to come home. I've been gone for, I was coming home for most summers and stuff, but, um, the first job I, as soon as I got home, I went to working at the same like jewelry store. I'd been working in, in high school, which is in downtown Newport, which is touristy. And, you know, I, it was fun. It was just to make sure I had a job right away. And then, um, I went to Ohio um, it, there's a, the wilds it's called, it's a 10,000 acre safari park and you go on the school buses and you go through and you look at all these, um, literally safari animals. So they have like white rhinos, which is like one of the biggest and healthiest groups ever in, um, in conservation. They have giraffes, you know, they had everything. I was focusing more on like invasive species. I was doing like moth surveys. I was doing um, planting trees. So, and then I finally was like, all right, I need to, I I miss the ocean. Um, and I was fishing there a little bit, but nothing, nothing big. So I, I really was like, I I need to go home and do something more ocean-based. And from that job, I went right to a tall ship, um, an 80 foot Sharpie schooner where they took kids out. And so you were a teacher teaching these kids about the, um, Long Island Sound, and we did a little trawl net. So we got some fish species. Um, and you live on this boat. You do sunset tours for like tourists, but it's more during the day for kids. Um, and I loved that. So that that was like okay, wow. I need to get back to boats. Um, yeah, going somewhere else again. The Keys, um, but my job was to go take kids to like the seagrass, the mangroves and the coral reefs. So I was on small boats all day. 
Um, and I did that and loved it, but then I got the call for Alaska and I had to go. Yeah. All right. Where does your adventuresome nature come from? Did you grow up with that? Did your family instill that in you? Yeah, I definitely think so. My dad is military. He's in the Navy, retired Navy. Um, so we moved around. So my sister and I were born in Newport, Rhode Island. Then we were in Charleston. My brothers were born. And then we actually went to England for four years um, while my dad was working. And we got to go to like, you could have gone to the Navy base and had school on there, but my mom wanted us to be immersed. So we went to like the local school and we like got into the community, which is really cool. And we would go back every few years to see them. Um, so I think we, you know, traveling young when you're in Europe, I only remember the last year really, but my mom will say we've gone to 10 countries or cause they would go everywhere and we're traveling even with four kids. Um, yeah. so, you know, I remember traveling around a little bit and then even we're from Rhode Island and my mom's from upstate New York and my dad's from Philadelphia. So, you know, we travel all the time to those places, even though they're six hours, you know, but it's still, um, we'd always go somewhere and do something. So, yeah. So what would you tell your 15 year old self that was coming and getting ready for life and the adventures that you have coming your way? I don't, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to foreshadow what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing and it's a, you know, a fun surprise. I never know what I'm going to be doing next. I mean, now I've been here for seven years, but every time my job is basically a little different when we have a new group of scientists on board or we're doing different kind of, we mainly do fishing, but we get all these other little trips in between um, with exciting new projects. But I probably tell myself, I think I was a little bit of a punk, like 13 and 14. So I could skip that phase and maybe realize sooner that I liked, you know, science and math um, and practice a little harder on some of the math stuff. <laughs> yeah, because that's pretty important in what you're doing in your calculations and things. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't get to be a good student until later in high school. So. Well. Is there I mean, you just sound like you just have the most awesome life and your job, you're enthusiastic about it and love it. And, but are, are there any boulders in your pathway that you just keep smacking up against or, you know, things that you just keep having to work through, whether it's professionally or personally, or just. Yeah. I mean, with my relationship, it's hard. We're always gone. So we have to make sure we're extra patient. Um, we know we're going to be away from each other. So we, you know, the time we have together, we really spend it in the moment. Um, I know he, we put our phones down for dinner sometimes and that's, you would think that's easy, but sometimes that's a little hard. Cause I'll, if I hear it vibrate, I want to check it. Um, but there's really nothing important if I'm with him spending time or with my family, like my parents as well, or my friends. Um, and then working, um, you have to love this job or you can't do it and you can't do it successfully. Um, so sometimes when you, let's say something's broken and I can't fix it, like one of my sensors, let's, there's, uh, like a sonar, something that goes down, pings the bottom and we get the bottom depth and what's, and if it's broken and I don't know why I get very frustrated and I take it personally, which I definitely need to work on that. But, um, especially if it's Saturday at 2am, no one's there to help me. I have to look at this manual and it is that anytime something breaks and I can't fix it and I can't find a resource to help me is I get very frustrated very easily. Um, another thing with my job, which kind of stinks is there's no real career path. So you can be an assistant survey tech, a survey tech, and then a senior survey tech. Um, and they say it like takes to be a survey to senior can take like two to five years. Um, I was lucky where I got it pretty quickly, like within a year. But since that, since I'm senior survey tech, I've been a senior survey tech for over six years. So, um, I have no pay increase. I have way more responsibilities. Um, now this year they're trying to add a chief survey tech position so that that's a pay increase. That's more responsibilities, but, but you're paid for it adequately. Um, and you're taken, I, I would not more seriously because I'm taken pretty seriously, but 
you just have like more control of your department of the survey department, essentially. So that's, that's frustrating when every year I'm getting more responsibilities, I'm doing more things, I'm trying my hardest, I'm doing pretty well, but there's nothing like, there's no, like you don't get any more money or you don't get um, a better title or there's no working your way up. Now there's who have been a senior survey tech for like 20 years. Um, And if you're happy with it and you figured out the life work balance all for you. And that's great. The money's not bad. Obviously the money's pretty good. And when we're out to sea, they're cooking for us. Like you're not driving your car, you're not spending too much utility. So it's good, but it's, it, that's hard. Like, I don't know that I see myself doing this more than four or five years because, um, it's hard to find the work-life balance. Yeah. Sometimes I, I I would think it would be plus the fact, even though you're not spending money, um, you're still having to maintain, you know, what you've got to come back to. So, you know, that you might not be eating on land, but you still have to pay the rent and um, that kind of thing. So, so unless you couch surf, and that might be appealing to. <laughs> Jokingly, I, I bought a house and um, maybe four years ago, three or I don't know, three or four years ago, I think. Um, and I, at my ship, right, we live on the boat. So if you don't live close by, um, you can sleep in your room that you have and you live solely on the ship. Um, there's G ride vehicles, which are government vehicles. You can drive around places. Um, but I, I got the house and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm looking for some roommates. It's a three bedroom. And instantly I had three guys being like, yeah, we'll live with you. So I bought the house. I moved in with my mom and dad and I rented out the three rooms. Huh. So- I was like, because, you know, once you put it, I put my down payment down and I'm like, all right, I got to be careful. Then I was like, I'm hardly here. I might as well live on the ship or with my parents. And at that time, Travis was in Norfolk, my partner, and we didn't have dogs. So if I'm only here once a weekend, my parents love having me. Yeah, Um, exactly. So that really helped. And then I even like built a bonus room in the basement with that money so that potentially that could turn into another room if I, you know, do the right construction for it. So it's like I bought my house and then I rented it out and lived with my mom and dad and the house was five minutes away from the ship. Yeah, but that's kind of nice because then they're paying paying your mortgage to, to start you out. So that's pretty good financial planning. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. A 30 year old living with their mom. And, dad, and I loved it. I love, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky. I have such a good family and such a good relationship with everyone in my family. Um, because I'm like excited to go to my parents' house. Even now we'll go take the dogs cause they work, they live on a, like a high school campus with a ton of fields and next to the beach. So we go and we go for long walks over there. We can let them off the leash. Um, yeah always have food there because there's like a cafeteria. So we always get food there. We don't have to cook that night. So it's kind of fun still to go over there now. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. You know, it kind of irritates me that there's a stigma sometimes of, you know, living in your mom's basement, your parents' basement. And Tori went through that stage and she was working in Montgomery and it was like, why would she go rent something and pay when she could live here? And she's like, but literally I'm in the basement and it just kind of, you know, feels, but, and she's talked about doing some of the same work you're doing and she's got the two dogs and I'm like, Oh man, what do you do with the dogs? So, I mean, it's a good thing that you did that in an order where somebody's able to take care of them. Yeah, I would have. So um, I say I have a sister, my parents' dog, Sophie is an old English sheepdog. And so that was always enough. But um, Travis got out of the military and he's he's going to school now and he's going to have a full time land job. So during COVID, we were like and COVID, we didn't like the first think we had like nine months off of sailing. So I was just doing shore duty. So going to the ship and doing security. Um, So we weren't gone at all. I mean, no one was really traveling. So first puppy. And then we rescued our other one like a few months later. Um, but yeah, he's on land and I've had a few friends who I think would be amazing at this job. Um, especially one, but she has two cats 
and like her parents can't take them. She doesn't want to leave them. She's had them for years. Um, so it's just not a job she can do. Yeah. Well, I keep telling Tori, I'll take hers in a heartbeat just because (laughs) the opportunities, I mean, the things that, that you're able to do, that's, that's kind of a short life thing. Well, I mean, it could be long-term, but, but in the scheme of, if you're going to have a family and if you're going to kind of, you know, grow, grow your own life, however you want to, but if, but if kids are involved, you're not going to be on a ship forever like that. That's, that's a lot to give up. Yeah. Um, And and there are actually a lot of people on my ship, mostly, I think all males who do have families, who do have kids. Um, Some of them are young and some of them are old. I know we have one guy who has two daughters, but they're grown up now. So it, Mm -hmm. imagine, I I mean, I don't want to judge anyone or any of their life choices, but I'm like, I can't imagine having small kids or, you know, any age and be gone for 30 days. Um, Or my partner having to manage kids, dogs, a job, a house, like, you know, that's not for one person when there are two people that should be helping out. So, um, yeah, yeah. What I definitely wouldn't be able to sail this much. Maybe if there was like a rotation where I was only gone for less than a quarter of the year or something potentially then, um, yeah, hundred or hundred days is a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. Um, but, um, but, uh, and I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you don't really want to judge somebody else's choices because a lot of people make things work because of their priorities and what, what they want to happen or because they're backed into positions of, if you're going to do this, then you have to do that. But, um, so are you, it's a, a male dominated career pretty much or, um, for permanent craft, permanent staff. Yes. Um, so there's something called the NOAA Corps. They're, they're a uniform service, um, and they're in the wheelhouse. So they like drive the ship, do some of the navigation, do safety. Um, and usually there's only one female of them. And then for the staff, I'm the only permanent female survey tech. So the deck guys are all male. The engineers are all male. The stewards are all male. Um, now in Alaska, for sometimes I was the only female, um, but here a lot of the scientists are female. So we'll get a group that's pretty much 50-50 male-female um, that come out to see. Where in Alaska, I think it was primarily male and and then primarily, I think all men at some points on the ship. Is that odd? Is that something that you had to kind of mentally work through? I mean, I remember the very first time that Tori went out doing something uh, I can't even, she was working in a forest and it's like, okay, here's where I'm staying. And it's her and, and two guys and I, in a trailer. And I'm like, wait, what? It, because I just wasn't used to that. And she's like, you know, it doesn't matter. This is just the way it is. This is how you function. This is what you do. And, but is there like, has there been an adjustment in your mentality or what you kind of have to tell yourself as you're in that? position? Um, I I've been really lucky that I've had a lot of good coworkers. Um, but then again, I have two brothers, younger brothers. I, my best friend basically in high school at my school was a boy. I mean, I obviously had a ton of friends that were girls too. And then one of my best friends from college was a boy. Um, so it wasn't a huge adjustment. Cause I feel like, like in college, I had mostly boy roommates. Um, yeah, that's the way Tori is. And so it, 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 and it just works out that, I mean, my best, best, best friend is a female, but, um, I think I'm comfortable enough. Now there's been some times where you do face a lot of adversity, I guess, when being the only female, um, and you have to bite your tongue, which is something very hard for me. I've had an (laughs) on the ship where someone got kicked off because of the way he acted towards me and I reacted to it. So, Um, if you say like, there's some older men, mostly, um, this, and and by older, I mean, like he was 65, he is on the ship. He is old, old mentality. Women shouldn't be on ships. When he was in the military, there were no women out to sea. Um, so without even getting to know me or knowing me at all, he didn't like me. Um, and I like to be liked. I mean, who doesn't, but um, I remember he, 
he called, he called me stupid, um, for essentially no reason for something he couldn't figure out that if he just, I could do it. If he had just, he wouldn't even give me an opportunity to like try or help or, um, and I am not one to stay quiet and I'm, it is hard for me when someone says something mean to me or to someone around me without like keeping my mouth shut. So, um, I escalated. I went right to my boss and I, you know, was like, this is what's happening. This is, you know, I luckily the first time I removed myself from the situation and I went to my bosses, but then the second and third time I was like, okay, get me off the ship. I'm not working with him. Are we share an office? Um, this is not professional. You know, it, it was a horrible situation. It made me feel bad for like what being a female, like I was good at my job. I am good at my job. Um, so it's very frustrating, but I'm like, I know other women in the Marine industry because I'm technically a wage mariner um, who have had way worse. Um, and so yeah. that's one of my worst stories. Now, I, when I first started this job in Alaska, a man yelled at me, a grown man yelled at me and said the worst things anyone has ever said to me. And I remember, and it was like my second or third day there. I remember going. Oh, Wow trying to find cell service, calling my mom, crying, saying I'm coming home. And I remember my mom being like, you're not coming home. Like you're, you'll be okay. Like it's okay. And I just was like, okay. And, and that guy was just, he was out. It was after work hours. I was driving a shuttle bus. So in Alaska, you could get paid overtime to drive people around. Um, and he was drinking and he wanted me to work past my overtime, which I didn't want to do because I wasn't getting paid anymore. And I didn't want to go out, you know, it was late. Um, and I just remember being like, okay, this isn't for me. I don't, I can't, I can't handle this. I, I couldn't say anything back to him. I just like walked away. So I didn't cry in front of anyone. So no one saw me like upset. Um, but luckily like, you know, and the worst part is, is I saw the guy the next day you know, said, good morning, walked away. Nothing. Like he never apologized for it. He never recognized for it. Um, at that time I was not strong enough to go to my bosses who I just met. I didn't want to say anything to him because he'd been on the ship a long time and he was well-respected. I'm not even sure if he remembers it, but it's funny because it's like one of those moments in my life. I will never forget. Um, I can't believe I didn't even realize grown people yell at each other like that, you know, like, I have siblings and I would never talk to my siblings like that. We're all grownups now. And it's like, that's just, I, no one I hate, I would say those, they're talked to like that. So it's, it had like certain times it's been a learning curve, but most of the time I've had great coworkers um, on the ship. So I'm, I'm really lucky that most of, like, I always have, like, I always call my, like my best friends of the time, like whoever's on the ship who like, we're just getting along with. And a lot of it also is like, if you're out to sea for 12 days or, and you're working 12 hours, whoever's on your watch, because after those 12 hours, you're tired. You might work out, shower and go to bed. And that's or usually dinners, you know, or whatever meal you want to have. But so it's whoever's on your watch, like who's, who's doing similar things you're working with. Um, but yeah, I've been lucky that everyone is pretty much great other than a, a handful of people. Well, those shifts are long. I mean, that's, and, and they can be cold and they can be dark. And, um, so have you ever had a really frightening moment? Um, not, not, uh, not really. Um, I mean, I, Storms. yeah, I, we, so I'll work night shift usually, but I love sunrise. So I always get to see the sunrise. So if it's dark, we've gone into some sketchy storms, um, with huge waves, um, or big lightning storms. It's funny. Cause I feel like I post pictures of like the ship, the bow, this is a 208 foot research vessel and pounding in the waves and the waves coming up over the whole boat and like hitting the back deck. So, um, or like the, we see the coolest lightning. I have like a video on my Instagram of like this crazy lightning going across and stuff. Um, but yeah, nothing to, my, my, we, we're not, you know, we have the Coast Guard and if we were in any sign like danger or anything, we would just come straight in or um, we haven't, we're, we've been really lucky that nothing too, too scary. I think those, 
kind of scariest was we were in Alaska and we were supposed to go into Russian water, which I was really excited for because there's like, I think it's a latitudinal line you pass over. Um, and it's like this big ceremony and our permit got canceled like day before. So we were going like right on the edge and there was some like talk that the Russians were, if we cross over, they would, you know, like bomb us or something, all rumor, like not real life probably, but you know, then you're like, Oh no, I hope we don't cross over. Like, but I really wanted to, cause you yeah. get your, and um, that part's not in your control. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. But, um, yeah, it would have been cool if we, the permit was able and we were all golden dragons. I think it was something like that, but we got like close enough where we almost did. And then we ran away. <laughs> well, um, so what grounds you, what, what do you go back to, um, that just is the grounding point for your life? Um, I think my family and my dogs, you know, if I didn't have the support I had, this job would be very lonely and hard. Um, but like my mom will text me all the time and I send her the sunrise almost every day or the sunset. Um, my dad has like this reflection quote thing that he gets for like his religion on email and he'll forward it if it's cool, you know? Um, and a lot of them are like very earthy. Um, obviously like when you're out to sea and it's calm and it's like, you know, you're far enough, there's no light pollution other than your ship. Like that's very humbling. Um, and, but then home, like, you know, with the dogs, being able to be on land. Sometimes I like when I'm on land too long, I'm like, all right, time to go. Like I need to, when am I going out to sea? Like, I love it here. It reminds me why I do my job. I mean, um, we eat a lot of seafood and out to sea, I eat a lot of sneak seafood. Um, so it's like, okay, I, this job needs to get done. I love it. I see cool stuff. Um, and, and you make it fun at work. So, um, some of my hobbies with my job are odorless earrings. So um, you'll have to send me here a dress and I'll, I'll send you guys a few pairs, but they're basically like the white ear bones that you age the fish. And I put them on studs so you can wear them. Um, oh, and, wow. Yeah. And then we fish print. So we paint the fish and we put them on charts or um, other paper. And I think, did Tori do that? I want to say she, we might've done that with her on the ship. I, I can't think so. Um, it's kind of fun. I think so. Not great, but they're good enough. You can tell it's a fish. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I did that with Isaac when he was little, like um, did a birthday party. And I mean, they were probably five, six years old. They, they would catch their little fish and then we would paint it and do the print. And, and fun, um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you just kind of step outside what might be comfortable and create hobbies so so you do have some hobbies that are aside from just your work yeah yeah um I like I love photography so I I have a camera um and then I mean on land we have a drone that we love at shooting drone stuff and like a lot of waterfalls like we love waterfalls so we go hiking for waterfalls or drone them um, but it is funny. A lot of mine is geared towards my job. So, um, we go fishing, you know, even though we're on land, um, yeah, you'd think you'd be sick of that. Yeah. I don't think you ever can. I mean, it's always different. What are you going to get? What exactly. Gonna get? I'm competitive. So it's always a contest with who's got the biggest fish or what species you have or, um, so, and then, yeah, like I never thought I'd make jewelry or do fish prints, um, I'm more of like a, like, you know, going outside or I don't know, sports or boating or, you know, anything ocean related, I guess. But now I like do love getting the Odalis and, you know, like gluing them onto the little studs and it's kind of fun to make. And, um, so I do those things when I need like a minute to myself. Um, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I, um, I wondered what you did in your spare time. And it's like, you know, Tori and, and, um, and her siblings are involved in jujitsu. And so those kind of things, you know, they can't really happen on the ship. 
like that. But you you referenced a workout. So I guess there is space to, to have that. Yeah, we have a, um, we have a gym on the ship. It's small. There's like a row machine, a bike, elliptical and weights. Um, my boyfriend's big into weights. Um, I think it's powerlifting. If I get this wrong, he'll get mad, but, um, I basically say picking up weights and putting them down. And so I've actually been doing it with him cause it's in the garage. So we're doing like squats and deadlifts and, um, it's more fun, like going to do his hobby cause he enjoys it so much. So and he loves when I do it with him and ask him, I'm like, okay, what's next coach. Um, and yeah. out to see it's you literally walk like up a set of stairs from your, your state, a state room and that's it. And that's, so I have to go on the elliptical every day or I don't get like my 10,000 steps or, um, it is really hard sometimes to eat healthy on the boat. So even, um, like, you know, he makes like great food, a lot of comfort food. And so, you got to make sure you at least try. Yeah. But it's when you're at sea, the 12 hours, it's, it's busy. Um, so I yeah. really just work sometimes do some earrings or fish prints, try to at least walk on the elliptical. Um, I have like an iPad. I download TV shows or podcasts. Um, so I listen to those while I'm working out or just walking. Cause really in rough seas, you can't do anything else, but walk or sit on the bike. Um, and then you sleep to make sure you try to get at least, you know, eight hours. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess it's just such a foreign concept for me. I mean, we're used to being able to just get out and go and do kind of whatever. So do you ever feel very limited though? I mean, are there times when you have to kind of do some mind games with yourself? Um, luckily our job, there's like a lot of stuff that's happening all the time. So I'm responsible for like all the sonars, all the instruments, everything, that collects science, I have to monitor um, and watch. And I love problem solving. So when something goes wrong, I'll go to a manual, I'll do this. So my days are so filled mentally of, you know, like thinking or doing or um, so I usually at the end of it, don't I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to read a book. Um, But during watch, like we're catching cool fish. Like I've never seen a baby swordfish but then one day we caught one in the net, a baby swordfish. And you're like, who gets to see those? Because you never catch them in the nets. They're not supposed to be, they're pelagic. So they're open ocean. And you never really, you don't usually get the big ones when you're fishing, or if you get the small ones, you do release them. But it's like, I've never seen a small swordfish. And it's like, this is so cool. So it's always like, what are we going to get? Um, or, or what's going to break next that I have to fix? So I think yeah. I'm pretty immensely I'm like that it's funny because at on land I like like law and order or like drama shows but out to sea I like comedy or you know reality stupid tv um, or in Alaska I was reading like there's no good internet and I didn't have an iPad to download because I didn't know yet that's what you do um I read like 10 books a trip because you send one text, it takes 20 minutes to send out and then you get it back. So really I would send emails out, which you can do during your work hours. So at night I'd just be like crushing books. Um, and it's so funny because in Alaska, there's so many, or there were, I think actually they got rid of a lot, but romantic novels on the ship. And I was the only one reading them. Um, I loved them because, you know, it's like your job's so hard and demanding and you're on a lot and stuff. So being able to sit down and be like, you know, this love story. Um, yeah, I'm going mindless for a little while. So yeah, I can. So, see yeah, that. it's kind of, it, you know, it's a, ba- it's a funny balance. It's like, if anything, I like junk TV when I'm off watch out to sea. So is there anything that you have wanted to do uh, career wise that you haven't, you haven't gotten to yet? Um, well, Here's a sad thing. So there was an Antarctica um, position that was open with Lidos. Um, I got the position. It was six months, um, but it's during my brother's wedding. And I had already committed oh, his wedding. I'm in the, I'm a bridesmaid. Um, I've already set up for it. You know, it's a big moment for them. It's like one of the main events that I'm like, I don't want to miss that because forever we're going to be referencing this night. Um, and so it was a really strong, it was hard for me because, oh, I'd have to ask my job if I could have six months off. 
I'd have to miss my brother's wedding. I probably miss so many other events and I've never been gone for six months from my boyfriend or my dog since, you know, since we got together and got the dogs. Um, and I really want to go. And they said there will be other opportunities. Um, so if it was a life, like once in a lifetime, I probably would have gone, but because, um, they have this opening almost every winter, every few winters or uh, like summer, whatever that is. I think it was like two October, um, like May to October or something, but so I guess our summer, um, it wasn't a once in a lifetime. So I have that. I want to do that. Like I made sure that I told that interviewer, I couldn't go because my job wouldn't allow it. Um, with COVID, we're just such, we're understaffed. Um, so, and I'm hoping to get this promotion that's been on the table for two years. So I don't want to jeopardize anything for that. Then my brother's wedding. So I really want to do that. I'm going to do that sometime in my life. Um, just not this year. Yeah. So you sound like you're very determined in how you want your life to play out. It's funny in certain aspects. I definitely am. Um, like I'm happy in Rhode Island, but at the same time, I'm like ready to travel anywhere. Um, travels is getting his NBA and he's like looking at programs everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I travel. And then half the time I'm like, Oh no, I'm settled now. Um, and then he's like, Oh, I'm applying for a drive in Germany. And I'm like, yes, let's go to Germany. You know? So, um, we're kind of, you know, we don't know. Um, it's funny because yeah. I saw an email for essentially my same job, but in Bermuda. And I'm like, do I apply for that? And I'm like, no, no. Right now I need to stay where I am, what I'm doing. I want to do this. for. But the fish would be so different. I know. <laughs> the yeah, fish tropical would be completely species. different. Yeah. I know. Well, uh, my dogs wouldn't like it though. They like the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the enthusiasm that you have, I mean, is contagious. It is one of those things where you're like, wow, I mean, what a dream to have such enthusiasm about life. Thank you. And I don't think a lot of people have that. So that's pretty phenomenal. Thanks. Yeah. Also during COVID, it's been hard for a lot of people. I'm lucky where I'm a government employee, so I didn't lose my job. We didn't go out to sea, so I didn't get overtime, but I'm, I'm still okay. You know, like. I, I'm blessed and I know it. I have a good family. I have a good job. I have a good partner, great dogs, you know, so I'm, I'm lucky and I know I'm lucky. I think going out to sea also shows me that because when I come home, I have someone to come home to. I have like a supportive family. Um, I know some people don't have that and that's gotta be, I can't imagine, you know, like have no one to turn to or like here I'm like all right mom when are we going for a walk she's like oh anytime excited to see you know like my parents will yeah. be to see yeah. me or you know so I have a good support yeah. um, that really allow me to do what I do yeah I I can uh, I can imagine that um I mean it could be an escape for some people to go out to see and just go okay this is what I do but, um, but then to come back in, I, I can't imagine not having a support system and somebody that, you know, that's kind of worrying about your own land. I mean, that's kind of, you know, watching the weather, watching this, the different things that, that they have access to. So. Yeah. Because there's some trackers online. You can just like tra- marine traffic or whatever, and you can kind of watch where we're going. It's like a little delayed, but um, it's kind of funny because my dad will look at that and then he'll like make comments about where we are or like, y- you know, it, it's fun. I think it's fun for them. You know, they get to see where I am or what I'm doing, or I'll send a picture of a cool fish that they've never seen before or, um, but yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. An average survey tech, I think only lasts a few years at this job. Um, then there's yeah. other people who have been doing it forever. I'm like in the middle. So, um, so I'm yeah, it's, it's still new and I love it. Different things, all different times, you know, it's like the same job, but not that I know that's confusing, but you never know what we're going to get in the net. You're never knowing what you're going to work on, or we do like plankton cruises. We also do marine mammal cruises. So it's like on bottom trawl, I'll be like, look, dolphins. And they're like, okay, cool dolphins. But then on marine mammals, they'll be like, look, dolphins, 
let's follow them. This is the species. This is how many, this is the direction they're going. Like, you know, so it's kind of cool getting all sorts of different viewpoints. Cause then we have like birders where I'm like, I don't care about birds. And now I'm like I'm interested in birds, you know, cause um, it's kind of cool what species we get, or if we throw the fish over, um, they, there's like, even just boring seagulls are there eating, like getting our fish and it's kind of fun to watch them or, um, being like, oh yeah, we have, you know, that's a, this type of bird out here. And usually we don't see those or, um, yeah, that, how fun. I mean, you just kind of, you might have your methodology, but it just switches into whatever, uh, the actual project is. So, okay. I know COVID was, was hard. Um, but do you guys, um, does politics have a play in what you do? And do you kind of have, you know, the naysayers of, of your, um, research? Is there some of that that you have to kind of cope with? And, and then I'm lucky enough. I'm like, play along with it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, go ahead. Below the, the politics enough where, um, it is like with, we didn't know we were out to see when COVID first hit. And I remember hearing about it and I'm like, this is fake, you know? And then luckily it was like a week and they had called us all the ships in. So there's, I think 16 research vessels and they all said, okay, everyone go home. And lucky we were going home that day anyway. So we're like, like, okay, like this is nothing. And then we didn't leave for a year. Um, which is crazy because that, that year I sailed 52 days, um, which is nothing. I mean, some people that's a lot, but for my average, that's, that's nothing. 52 sea days. Um, which, you know, for me, it was good because I kind of got to reset. I'm in my hometown. It was a nice like break. I think I like needed it a little bit. Um, but then we we're sailing again and we're just doing COVID tests before and you're negative, you sail, you're, you're positive, you stay home, uh, which makes this job kind of unsure. Cause it's like, you know, you don't know if there's going to be a false positive or if you're asymptomatic or, um, and our rules keep changing. Cause we are coming down from the medical boards or a CDC. And, um, at first Noah had their own thing, what we were doing. Cause they have like the medical officers and stuff, but, um, we, you know, like every day when we were at sea at one point, every day we were taking temperatures, we were, um, checking in with everyone, making sure everyone felt good every day. We were wearing masks. So it's, it has been a challenge and there's like a lot going on with it. Um, and now then like sailing at one point was like, you just have to shelter in place. We were doing, which is seven days you just stay in your house and you basically can't leave for seven days and you try not to catch COVID. And then we test for COVID. And if you're positive, you can't sail. And so if you're, and sometimes it's 40 days or on other ships, so it was more. So it's like, you know, you can't sail for those, that amount of time or you go and then you're gone for longer than usual. Yeah. That can be really, I mean, the, anxiety that that could produce could be overwhelming yeah there was um, and then we what, lost a lot what of if people you could, did you yeah like Noah itself a, a lot of people quit because we weren't sailing or making overtime um so we're yeah. still willing to get people back and get a, like a full staff um we have something called augmenters that like travel to different boats so that's how we're sailing right now but um so I lost a lot of good people. And like, even at one point I was like, okay, I'm going to switch my career. And then I was like, I couldn't find a career that was better than my career. So I was like, I'll just wait it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, did you have any experience where people got COVID and had to come off the ship? No, we're lucky. Um, we've been tested beforehand and we did not sail with anyone who had COVID um, who got COVID We've just been lucky. I know some ships have, and then you have to go to the dock and then you had to quarantine. Um, yeah, but no, again, I've been really lucky with it. Our ship's been good. There's people been yeah. tested positive and they're crucial to sailing. And so we had to postpone for a few days, but, um, you know, to get the amount of staff we need, that's how we, that's what we had to do. Yeah. Wow. 
you know, I know it's impacted everybody, but it just, you just don't even imagine the ways that it has impacted um, in how somebody does their day-to-day job. So, well, I'm, I'm glad that maybe we're on the end of that and you won't have to experience it, but it seems like it, I don't know, seems like it doesn't go away and it kind of, <laughs> the rules change, but for y'all, it, it would make a huge difference. I mean, now it, here it's like, I don't know, you test positive and you have to stay five days and, and then it's like a lot of people that affects and a lot of people it doesn't. So they can still do their job. They can still remote work or close their door or whatever. So, wow. Well, we have um, talked all over the place about all kinds of things. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that we do? Um, not really. I mean, for anyone who's listening, make sure you find a job you're passionate about. Um, I think that's important to do because, I mean, I get a lot of my happiness from my home life, but for my job too, I feel like what I'm doing is important. You know, um, science is fun. <laughs> I think that some people don't think that they could go on, on ships or it's not a life for them. And some people it's not, but a lot of times you'll surprise yourself. If you, if you like this stuff, why not go for it? I think that's fabulous. Um, you know, that there are so many careers that people don't know about, they don't know they exist. And so if somebody wanted to find out what you do and how it exists, how do they even look? What do they look for? How do they find yeah, it? That's great. Cause I, I mean, I, every time I hear people don't know what, like they didn't know there's research vessels that are government owned or like, um, or anything like that. And I guess like for me, I always, I, I saw the boat. I got to meet someone from a lab who went out on the boat. So I kind of found a scientist and was able to like tag along with that. Um, I basically just get involved in like your local community, like outreach, whatever you like, like here, there's something called like save the bay, you know, and it's essentially saving our bay. And um, that correlates to like, they do stuff with Noah. And so you just kind of find out like that. I randomly was searching online um, at USA jobs, which now my job has switched to its own browser, but I saw this job, didn't know what it was applied for it, got it said Alaska. And I was like, well, if I hate it, I can just leave. And, you know, it's been my career since. Yeah. So willing to look and take risks. That seems to be a theme that runs through your, your life. <laughs> I like that. Uh, hey, and yours, your kids too. Cause I know Tori, I hadn't talked to her in a while and she messaged me and was like, how do I get to go out to sea with you? And I'm like, let's see what we can do. And, um, we were able to find someone that would let her volunteer on one of their cruises. And then she came out, which is, you know, pretty awesome. I've only had a few friends actually follow through. Like a lot of people are like, I want to do that. And then they're like, Ooh, 20 days or, you know, like, Oh wait, 12 hour shifts or, Oh, I have to get fishy and gross. And so don't yeah. come out. So I thought that was awesome. Oh, she loved it. She loved it. And, and she was working a job where she could kind of collect her hours and then, you know, take, um, a good chunk of time to go do it. So yeah, that was really a blessing for her. Well, how do people follow you? Can, do you have your Instagram where you're posting all of these pictures and, and how do people get in touch or follow you, Katie? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have a Instagram. I'm going to look it up now. Cause I have no idea. I, yeah. So my Instagram is just katie.mcginnis13. Um, and that has a lot of like my fish pictures or, um, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. So if you search, I think either Katie McGinnis or Catherine McGinnis, um, I come up recently. It's kind of funny. I was in a news article for being like local girl in STEM and ocean. Um, so when you Google my name, that comes up too. And that has a bunch of, my, of cool fish pictures and stuff with that too. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and that's what we were talking about earlier of, you know, the, the, the STEM programs. I mean, my goodness, to, to see a, a female 
um, young and just doing the career of your life. I mean, that's a great role model. So I applaud you. Thank you. Well, Katie, thanks. It's been great. I have one more question for you. If you had a superpower, you had it for 24 hours, you can use it professionally or personally. What would you choose? How would you use it? And why would you choose it? Man, okay. I'm going to go selfishly. I love to travel and I want to travel everywhere. Um, So I would have flying power and I would go to every every destination on my to-go list. Um, hopefully I can carry someone so I can carry my boyfriend to come with me. Um, I would use it and just nonstop travel for those 24 hours, try to go around the entire world, every continent. Awesome. <laughs> I should say something to save the world or, you know, help the environment. But, um, as you can tell, I love- uh, you're doing that in your real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So selfishly, I have so many, I have so many things on my list that I want to go to or, be or you know the Antarctica thing is the six month or like the Peace score for two years. So I have so much where if I could just travel everywhere real quick, I feel like I'd be more settled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll check with you in 10 years, see how settled you are. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh so, well thank you, Katie. It's it's been a pleasure. Yep. Thank you for having me. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family, to philosophy, to work, to meal prep, to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Get